Iron Man is kicked out of the Avengers. When Tony Stark's quest to reclaim his technology takes him to Siberia, the Crimson Dynamo and the Titanium Man wait to defeat him once and for all. See Stark unveil a new all-black armor for a special mission that could leave Iron Man a murderer. I'm Eddie Webb. And I'm Chris Bivey. And today we're going to talk about Iron Man issue 229 here on Speechless. Hello and welcome to episode six of Armor Wars. We're in the solid middle of the, this ongoing arc. And um, uh, before we started recording, uh, uh, Chris, you were remarking that um, this is a good representation of the West Coast Avengers. Yeah, I, um, so as a, a huge lover of the West Coast Avengers, it always makes me a little giddy when they show up anywhere. Mm-hmm. And my, my, I have a secret dark love of Wonder Man. So much so that I even collected his comic run when it was just wow. him being a failed actor and having horrible misadventures. Wow. Um, I have relatively recently read the first like few years of West Coast Adventures. And the fact that um, we see Moon Knight in the background on this first page, it, it, I think it zeroes in pretty specifically. You may know better than I do, though. It's like I think it's like the light, like the end of the first year being the second year, that roughly that era. Something about that. I think he shows up like around episode issue 20 and stays for about 33 to 35 when they, that's when Mockingbird and Tiger leave after their trip to the old West. And all right, spoilers for Jesus, a 30, 40 year old comic. Now Mockingbird kills an evil bastard who was sexually assaulting her and Hawkeye doesn't understand why she did it. Right. Cause Hawkeye is not a great person. <laughs> when I talked about the Hawkeye run and I was like, you know, the fact that he is divorced from Mockingbird, there are good reasons why. <laughs> Clint's kind of a piece of shit. Which she was pretty much slumming to be with Hawkeye. Right. Yes, absolutely. Um, uh, so cool. All right. So let's uh, dive in. Um, this is uh, issue Red Snow. Um, uh, is plotted and scripted by David McElhaney. Um, uh, art is by Mark D. Bright and Bob Layton, uh, who also co-plots this. Uh, Janice Ching does the letters, Bob Sharon's colors, and Mark Grunewald is the editor. And like we mentioned, we start with a full page splash of the West Coast Avengers who have basically called Tony and said, okay, for two issues now, maybe more, we've been kind of giving you some rope. What is going on? Do, uh, go do we want to give like a brief overview of all the team members? I know we talked a little bit about Hawkeye and Mockingbird. Oh yeah, sure. Man, so, th- so um, uh, at this point, uh, the team leader is Hawkeye. Um, uh, he is not one of the OG Avengers, but he is established enough that he was given enough clout to, to, to lead and spin off a new team. Uh, he is married to uh, uh, Mockingbird, um, who uh, is basically at this point. I think she's just has acrobatics she's just kind of a, a very skilled shield agent do, do you realize how you've just like diminished shield agents can do you understand the bar it takes to be a shield agent i recognize that compared to some of the other characters she's with she's she's i mean she fights on the level of like right below captain america let's, let's establish that so yes she's a badass don't get me wrong she has no at this point no superpowers i believe she gets some later but at this stage i don't think she has any she eventually um, goes, and I think she dates Spider-Man for a while. But it's a oh, whole I didn't different, know that. 
wow. different podcasts. That's where Spider-Man takes on, becomes like a uh, low-rent Tony Stark, has his own company, which I think is a great idea for Peter, but we're not here to talk about that one. Right, that was right after Doc Ock took over his body, I think. So if people want that one, let us know. Yeah, Sorry. let us know. Sorry. Um, uh, as mentioned, Moon Knight um, is is part of the team because I think his solo book just wrapped up. And so he got he brought in to wrap up some threads and then he stuck around for a bit. And this is also the era where there does Moon Knight have superpowers? Does Moon Knight not have superpowers? Right. Yes, because there's, they're still playing with the does he think he has superpowers or not? Um, there's a Hank Pym who is in a superhero guise of not being a superhero. Uh, he has decided that he's not a superhero. And so by proving this, he has joined a superhero team, but he's not in a costume. He doesn't have a code name. Uh, but his, his gimmick now is that he has all these devices on his person that are shrinked. And so he, he expands or shrinks them as he needs them. So he's kind of the, um, tech genius gadget guy at this point. He was going to be more of sort of the counsel, sort of a counselor slash scientific person for the team that of course never works out because they take him into the field every time they do something. But one of the reasons right. I wanted to talk about the full splash is to talk about Hank's red jumpsuit in blue boots and blue shirt. <laughs> that is, that is an ensemble. <laughs> it's totally not, it's totally not a superhero costume. It's just a perfectly normal bright red jumpsuit that any human being would have. Yeah. <laughs> and then of course your boy wonder man uh who oh, at this, who's at this stage if i remember correctly he um he realizes that he is uh come back from the dead he's kind of coming to terms with that and he's just starting his acting career i believe can we talk all right go ahead Since this want to talk about this, mo- more about iron man it's more about Iron Man. I don't want to like go into whole Wonder Man thing, but they've Wonder Man is kind of a joke character. But if you stop and think about like the actual tragic origins of Wonder Man, how he started, it sort of got like pushed into villainy and then became a superhero, then like died, came back and became empowered with ionic energy. What a waste of brain space all this knowledge is. And it is <laughs> literally the strongest member of the West Coast Avengers. He can lift like a hundred tons. He can survive in space underwater. How you see in West Coast Avengers where he spends a fight versus Graviton for 12 hours underwater is part of their plan. Part of the plan. So Wonder Man, we're going to have you get trapped under a pool of water for 12 hours. And then we're going to sneak up and take out Graviton. Hawkeye yeah. leadership. And he's one of those uh, characters who, Again, at this stage, he, he's played for laughs, but it's also no one's really uh, uh, committed to his character at this point in time. So it's John Byrne kind of just trying to find uh, something to do with the character, and he does kind of evolve and change. But at this stage, yeah, he's at the kind of ersatz Superman joke character at this point, which is sad. But on, on to the actual meat of while we're here. Less right. Uh, so the next two pages um, are, as is traditional with 80s comics, is a pretty heavy recap of what's happened so far to catch people up. Um, but for our purposes, it's more interesting the fact that Tony is actually for the first time telling the Avengers what is actually going on. In, in previous issues, it's been Tony's going, oh, I'll get back to you later, or you don't want to be involved. Um, uh, but he actually walks everyone through pretty much the main plot of, of Armor Wars at this point. And Hawkeye asks kind of the, the obvious question, why didn't you ask us? We could have helped. And Tony's like, because you would have said yes. 
I know where this road is taking me and I didn't want anything to happen to you on this. And I kind of want to pause there because I feel like this is a bit of a retcon based on us actually reading the issues up to this point because Tony kind of bounces back and forth between I know what the cost this is going to be and being surprised by the exact same cost constantly happening to him. So it's, it's, I don't know how much of this is Tony genuinely believing this or Tony saying this because this is what the thing he should say at this point is. I think it's a solid mix of both because in, in people, in most people's own stories, when they retell them, they're never the villain and they change facts to fit that narrative. But I'd like to add on, think about the team of people he's telling this thing to. It's like, I didn't tell you is because I didn't want you all to become villains and outlaws like me. You've got Hawkeye, who was literally an enemy of the Avengers before they realized that he wasn't. So he was an outlaw and criminal. Wonder Man, who was a villain and criminal. Mockingbird, who, if I remember right, also had her own sort of criminal little stint and is a murderer. Hank Pym. Who has had multiple, multiple breaches of the law and is a criminal. Yep. And Moon Knight, come on. Moon Knight is like, we're going to call Moon Knight a hero because he's on the Avengers and they make a statement that if you're not, on, if you're a bad guy, you can't be on the team. Right. But then I question why they have Sandman and some other people later, but that's a different discussion. An entire team of villains turn heroes he's selling this to. And I think. I, I agree with you. I think some of that is uh, intentional because one of the things people reading Iron Man won't have this context, but folks like you and I who have read West Coast Avengers, what's kind of happening at this point in time in that comic is Hawkeye is way overcompensating. He knows his past. And so he is really digging down into, no, heroes have to act this way and they must be this way. And it's, it's, it's very performative. And I think that's absolutely intentional on John Burns part, at least when he was writing West Coast Avengers to a point where other characters remark on the fact that she has so embodied this ideal that there's no room for nuance, which is what recent converts are like, you know, it, so like, no, basically, basically he was Twitter before Twitter existed. Right. Exactly. Um, it's like Captain America told me this one thing, and so now my entire ideology is based on this one thing. And even Cap, ironically, in his own comic, is now going through kind of the opposite thing, where he's debating whether his one thing is the is the right answer. But Hawkeye's like, no, we don't kill. There's absolutely not. If you kill, you're a bad person. And, but you point out, just about everyone on that team is killed at this point. <laughs> <laughs> um, but... Again, I bring this up because also Hawk explains Hawkeye's actions in this comic, which is that he basically says, I, I, I respect you. I appreciate that. But you're bringing us down. And this is a brand new team that needs to get to establish itself. So you need to stop your vendetta. And Tony just puts his helmet on and leaves. And we all kind of, from the previous issues, understand the unspoken conversation happening here, but it's great. There's some great body language happening here because there's three panels. They're silent of Tony just kind of staring at the group, Hawkeye turning away and Mockingbird kind of looking at Hawkeye while uh, Tony puts his helmet back on before he flies away. There's a lot of body language storytelling here, which I think is, is really good. And it's something that I think Mark Bright doesn't quite get enough respect for is he's really good at, at body language in conversation. Mm-hmm. 
The other thing of note probably is I think this is also the time when we have Henry Gyrick as sort of oh yeah a, overseeing the Avengers and putting team members on the teams and their funding. So that could I'm not trying to give Hawkeye any outs because he's a he's a total ass here, but mm-hmm. he's also dealing with Tony Stark, who is an utter ass that should have told his plan to his team of people beforehand. Right. Given the resources that he had just team wise, they could have potentially have done all this without the violence. Well, mm-hmm. half the violence. And <laughs> add a little bit more government sanction. But then we wouldn't have armor wars and then we wouldn't be having these great talks. Right. I mean, on the one hand, we have joked about how a lot of Bronze Age Marvel comics could be solved with two people getting a room and having an actual conversation. But one of the reasons why I love this era of Marvel specifically is because there's a lot of nuance to characters. They're not like they're still superhero comics. They're still kind of projected to the back wall. There's they're still, you know, very colorful and, and they have to fit all this in 20 pages. But there's some actual complex character interactions happening that if you don't know, it's just four pages of recap and setting stakes for what happens at the end of the issue. But if you do have the context of the other comics, there's a lot of stuff happening between Hawkeye and Tony here that's interesting and compelling. Uh, okay, so then uh, Tony uh, goes back up with Rhodey, who every issue Rhodey has to reiterate how his relationship is terrible because of all this is happening. That's uh, our human part, that how it keeps us grounded. <laughs> And I, I get that. And I, actually, I actually like the fact that the reason why the relationship is tanking is because her job, Tony is making her job at his company difficult. And Rhodey is between Tony's vendetta and Marcy trying to keep her career in track. So it's like, I, I actually recognize it, but the problem is it's so consistently telling, not showing. It, it's just, just Rhodey complaining about, we don't actually see too many. We have a couple of conversations with them, but that's about it. So my only frustration is like, I would like to see more of that actual character drama because there's an interesting setup here, but it's just every issue, Tony or, or Rhodey going, oh, yeah, my, my, my life still sucks, boss, uh, but I still, I'm still behind your thing. I'm just going to keep complaining about it incessantly. So I can't speak for you, but I can tell you that with some of my best friends, that is almost our relationship. <laughs> okay. Them complaining at me in a jokeful-esque manner. To like say, hey, this is still a thing that we need to work on. <laughs> That's fair. That, that 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 you know what? Now that you say that, that is a pretty accurate representation of American male relationships, I suppose, especially in the eighties. Yeah. So okay, no, fair enough. I'll go stop that. Uh, but uh, Tony uh, talks about his next step is Moscow, and we cut to Moscow. Uh, where we see uh, the Crimson Dynamo and the Titanium Man appearing in the Kremlin. Uh, these are both really established uh, Iron Man villains. Um, Iron Man, up to this point, and even arguably through this point, uh, has been a lot of anti-communist storylines. Like from the 60s till the early 80s. He was fighting uh, uh, Chinese communists. He's fighting Russian communists. So the fact that he has multiple communist armored characters is, is just straight out of Iron Man. But one thing this issue does that's interesting is it juxtaposed Titanium Man and Crimson Dynamo because they're two very different Russian characters. Uh, Titanium Man uh, is uh, 
um, piloted uh, by a man who is very scared of what will happen to him. He feels like he is a frail individual. He's extremely intelligent, but he's frail. His name is Gremlin. Uh, and so he is almost pathologically attached to his armor. Uh, whereas Crimson Dynamo is much more their kind of take on Captain America. He's meant to be a Soviet icon uh, that is portrayed. Um, but even in this issue, and I'll go through it, but even in this issue, sort of see there's, there's some depth there. Well, because also Crimson Dynamo, I want to say this is the fourth or fifth one. Yes. And that is more of a role attached to the government. While Titanium Man, if I remember right, built his own armor and everything else. And Dynamo is just like a, a highly skilled KGB agent that operates the armor. Right. Yes. Um, so they they appear in front of uh, a KGB officials. Um, and uh, there's a kind of a snide comment of like, I can get you a gremlin sitting in the armor. And it's like, we can get you a chair. And it's like, yeah, I can sit nice and snug while you steal my armor. No, thanks. Establishing that... Uh, uh, Gremlin has no love for the KGB specifically. Um, and basically they also in one panel recap what's been going on. Uh, and they make a lot of conclusion that if Iron Man is so far out of sorts that he could attack American installations, it's not going to be too long before it comes onto Russian soil and coming after both of you. Uh, and so we would like you to, you to work together to defeat him. And of course, Crimson Dynamo is like, it is my duty to protect Mother Russia. And then uh, Titanium Man is like, nope, I'm out. Uh, I know my intellect built me this armor. My intellect understands you're manipulating me. And so I don't trust any of you. I am leaving. Uh, Crimson Dynamo tries to appeal to Gremlin's patri patriotism, which is hilarious because Gremlin has no patriotism whatsoever. Which uh, is also funny because if I remember also right, Gremlin used to be part of the KGB and worked briefly with the Black Widow. Yes, but if I remember, it's been a while since I've read those issues, but if I remember, it was much more of the, the KGB are a means for my overall goals rather than I genuinely believe in the Russian state. Yeah. So putting these two characters together is actually kind of interesting, even though it is also here the two armored Russian characters for Iron Man. But uh, uh, the writer actually, the plotters actually do a good job of actually show these different viewpoints. It takes some time. Uh, and they even give Crimson Dynamo a panel uh, where he's talking about he doesn't want to risk his life. Uh, and then one week, his term as Crimson Dynamo will actually be <laughs> over. He's one week from retirement, Chris. Ken, I, I broke out laughing when I read that. I, I literally stopped and I could not stop laughing for an entire minute because I flashed back of like every scene of that. It's like, I'm one week from retirement. I just can't die here. And then, then I envisioned Danny Glover inside of the Crimson Dynamo armor for a minute. <laughs> and Titanium Man. Oh, beautiful. Beautiful. I was done. I could walk away from the whole podcast right now after that line. I know it's it's it, it, it it's it's it. The one thing that I, I again I like about these comics is it, it's it's a cliche moment, right? But also it gives they spend the panel just giving Crimson Dynamo some character motivation, which is impressive. They didn't have to do that, you know. But this is an era where they're trying to make these things a little muddier, particularly in Armor Wars, because 
we're consistently trying to position Tony as, and question his stance on this. And so now we have two characters. One guy wants to be left alone, and one guy is just one week from retirement. So we now have a bit of an emotional stake in what happens to these two characters. Again, this is a comic written in the 80s, so we're still in the Cold War. Russians are still the bad guys. So the fact they did this is actually pretty interesting. And even more so that the Dynamo's entire goal, other than to retire in one week, is that he wants to protect his people. Like, that's it. Yeah. Like, I don't want to go. I don't want to invade America. I don't want to do this. I, want that. I just want to make sure that, like, we stay safe. Mm-hmm. And right. then to have an invader coming into their country. Like, that is an entire reverse dynamic that you're basically teaching. Primarily, I think they were part of the same to younger readers, but, like, younger readers and everyone else – this is actually how the world works. There's a level of depth to it. It's just not, I'm right, you're wrong. Right. Going back to the muddled water aspects that you were discussing. Right. Of course, slightly undercut by the fact that the leader of the KGB committee is a cigar-chomping villain that has planned this all along and the Titanic Man is going to be bait. Um, but, I mean, again, it, it's a comic book. There's a certain amount of, we have to get the plot moving and it has to happen. But you're right. There, there's some interesting expression of, like, all of these characters want something and what they want is at odds. So we're not just punching each other because you wear one flag and I wear a different flag. So you call him a, a cigar chomping villain. I call him a politician. <laughs> and Those are not incompatible concepts, Chris. Yes. That's what I was going for. <laughs> and I, I was, I'm not going to make any analogies. I will let people draw their own lines. It's 2022. Uh, figure it out yourselves. All right. Where are we at? I'm just saying, you change the word balloons, and it could be a completely different governmental structure. Yep. Uh, so Tony goes back to his private lab, which Rody points out is very similar to his lab at the offices. Which again, it's 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 one of those moments that I wonder how much this run had an influence on the original Iron Man movies because we saw that in Iron Man one, no three, where his lab was basically just as great as his private lab was just as great as, as his quote unquote public lab. Uh, and we, we we now are deep into there is a custom suit of armor for every role Iron Man because he's building a whole new suit of armor, his stealth armor, which is, of course, black because why wouldn't it be? Uh, but I, when, I, I love the aesthetics of this armor and I love the scenes discussing talking about all this. But at the same time, it makes zero sense other than for the, the toy nation of having multiple suits of armor. Oh, yeah, no. The, 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 the comic spends two pages and you're talking about how Tony has to add in all of these systems, which means he has to pare down the weapon systems. He only has three repulsor shots, um, and he has to add all these stealth modules. And so it's like they spend a lot of time really establishing, no, this is the reason why I had to be rebuilt. It's a whole new thing. And also sets in limitations that are coming to play in the plot. But on the other hand, it is absolutely a palette swap of the actual Iron Man armor. It's just, they just replaced silver and red with black. That's it. <laughs> so yeah, I totally, I can see, I almost see the, here's the mold for Iron Man. Now he's put in black plastic and we can sell a whole new toy. Money. All right. <laughs> um, but he does get a really cool uh, rocket pack um, because he's trying to conserve fuel to fly to Russia. Uh, and in the course of this, um, he tells uh, Rhodey, uh, hey, so uh, you know, I want you to go, it's Russia's a long way away, I want you to take the, the chopper back to 
the, the company and then get the jet and bring the jet here and then we'll go fly to Russia. And he goes, cool, great. And then leaves and then Tony leaves without Brody. And Brody cottons on this pretty fast. Um, it's, and it's funny, like it's one of those things that until now I didn't have the question, but as soon as this happened, I had the question of why didn't Tony do this earlier? And I think the answer is he needed Brody, if not physically, emotionally, to help him through the first parts of this. I could see that. But also at the same time, in the earlier issues, there were things for Rhodey to do, like to interact with the S.H.I.E.L.D. agents, or he needed someone to turn off the the S.H.I.E.L.D.s to the Death Star so he could go do this thing. <laughs> right. But at this point, it is now equivalently Luke fighting Vader. And there is no space for Han to get in there or for Leia to jump in before she gets Jedi training. It is just like our protagonist has to do this part alone. Right, right. It, it's, it's, it's a good moment um, because what really the, the, the thrust of this issue is like if you look at the past two issues, it was Tony has turned his back on Steve and so now it's the, I can't hurt any more of my friends. And so this issue, he's just kind of ripping the bandaid off and going through, pushing all of his other friends away from him as far as possible. So it raised the question of like, why did he bring Rhodey into danger? But it also, it makes sense for him to make this choice now. Because Tony's realized how much this mission is going to cost him. Uh, so uh, when he makes it to, there's a cute moment where, um, uh, the, the comic realizes that even if you have a super suit, it still takes a very long time to fly to Russia. <laughs> and you don't exactly have an in-flight movie when you're in a suit of armor. Uh, so a neat little moment. It's like, I should have put FM receiving units in this. It's like, which is such an 80s comment. Uh, uh, but I mean, it's, 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 it's just a great little human moment of like, I'm so fucking bored. <laughs> it, is, it is a great joke, but it is also telling of Tony Stark. Because thinking about that is thinking further steps ahead of what your only objective is. So it's tactically thinking. Tony's mm -hmm. thinking, I need to get here to here. Yep. But he's not thinking about that trip between when he gets there and then doing it. So like if someone else had built the armor, they might have said, all right, I'm going to be traveling for, we'll say, 12 hours. I'm going to need something to like keep my mind occupied. And they'll do things like that. But Tony is, this is my mission. I must complete it. I've done that. All right. What is the next thing I need to do? And also, I mean... Up until this moment, he had companionship because Rhodey was with him pretty much every step of the way when he was going between these locations. Uh, so you're absolutely right. I, I, I think it's a, another example of Tony thinking about the mission and not about the nuances of it. It uh, is so also an interesting choice that his song that he's singing to himself is 99 Bottles, bottles of, of beer. beer. Yes, yes. That, that you never stop being an alcoholic, which is one thing that I do like about Iron Man as a comic. It depends on the writer, obviously, but I do like the fact they never quite forget the fact that Tony's a recovering alcoholic. And now that we're saying it like this, also part of it is it could be that he's been torturing himself somewhat to do this horrible mission that he's doing, but then that also is like another form potentially of torture, mental torture for him. Sure. Sort of paying a punishment. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Uh, so he heads to... Uh, Bitter Frost. Bitter Frost is a bait that uh, uh, the titanium man used to use. Um, it was uh, destroyed recently, and we find out that that happened in a Hulk comic. Because again, we're also still in this very strong era of uh, 
consequences from one comic ripple into other comics, which I, I really dig, especially in the era where I can just pull an issue up on uh, R-World Limited and read it if I want to. Uh, so he abandons his booster pack and goes to the abandoned base, not realizing that Gremlin actually has a base underneath that, uh, because Gremlin's logic is, this is my biggest defeat. The KGB would never think to look at me, look for me in this place where I've been defeated. And... I think that tracks, honestly, because Siberia is a huge fucking place. <laughs> uh, so it's going to be like, uh, okay, um, these, we have all this other place we can search before we go back to sniffing around this. this and we see a picture of it. it. It's just like timber and bits of rock. It's not even, there's even a standing structure there. So th there wouldn't be a logical reason to check that. Tony's grasping at straws. That's why he stumbles into this. He's like, I don't know where to start. I guess I'll start here. It's the only thing I really know to do. Uh, but although Gremlin's logic pans out, it turns out he's wrong. The KGB actually completely do know about his base and have actually even put uh, um, bugs in there so they can overhear him talking to himself. And uh, Crimson Dynamo, we see, is kind of reluctant about this. Um, he, he, he seems that he's, uh, uh, he's slow to respond that it's his duty to kind of deal with the situation. Uh, and as a, uh, a side note, um, there's one panel, uh, top of page, I lost track. I think it's like 12, uh, but where they're all looking at a monitor and there's a great yellow of highlights on Crimson Dynamo's armor and on the people looking at it. So you can see the light from the monitor casting shadows behind them. Uh, it's a great example of using a very limited color palette to tell a, a visual story. It, it's nice to see when you have the flat coloring of the 80s still do something like that. That's, I always find that very impressive. Agreed. Uh, so um, the Iron Man crashes in uh, and Grumman asks, how did you get past my many defenses? And Tony's like, I'm just really fast. And kind of just slips over the fact that my stealth systems allowed him to avoid all of the automated defenses from his base. You, you can't just blow past that line. I, I can, but I, you, you, go ahead. Go I'm ahead. faster than a speeding bullet. What other hero would say that? I, I, hmm. I have no idea what you're talking about, Chris. Hmm. And, and I mean, to be fair, this is, I don't know if they do it anymore, but certainly uh, for a good chunk of Marvel, there was a lot of poking at DC and Marvel poking at each other in their comics like this. So this is, pretty typical of the era it didn't hurt that a lot of the writers and artists worked for both companies so yeah. <laughs> it's kind of a moot point uh so a uh, crimson dynamo you know the attack crimson goes there but he intentionally is flying slowly uh and it's an interesting tactic of like um if i get there if i take my time then they'll be worn down and I can easily kind of mop up. It's an interesting strategy. The downside is that the, the defenses are still active because they weren't shut down. It was the fact the stealth armor got through. So Crimson Dynamo gets blown to bits effectively. Um, he gets really shut down. And then when Tony gets distracted by that, uh, Gremlin makes his way into the titanium man armor. And now we have all three of them in their armor. But it's a neat little bit of Chekhov's gun, if you will, 
of like yeah. through his defenses. He got past them. Oh, they were still on. Uh, and then Gremlin, we see Gremlin actually turning them off. So when the fight happens outside, they're off. So like it's it's a lot of setup and payoff. I, I appreciate the the structure of how this stuff put together. And it's also a nice touch when they reference the Hulk a couple pages ago, because then it lets you think about how strong the Hulk is and Titania mm. Man having fought the Hulk pretty much by himself. Oh, yeah. Good point. Uh, yeah. It and, helps set stakes more. Yeah. And you know that Tony is now in a weaker offensive armor. So that's helping like reinforce that storytelling. Mm-hmm. And uh, as Titania Man tries to go in the armor, Tony uses one of his repulsor blasts ineffectively. Um, and then uh, when he escapes... Crimson Dynamo gets back on his feet. He has to use another repulsor bolt uh, to get him to uh, raise his arms, stretch his face, so that Tony could then give him a body shot. Uh, so I remember when I was reading this as a kid, uh, it really blew my mind the idea of intentionally doing, intentionally uh, wasting a resource to get a different kind of advantage. <laughs> because it's like he knew only had three of those repulsor bolts. The first one was just. I tried this and it failed. But this one's like, I'm intentionally doing it knowing he can block it so I can try a different kind of attack. And from you know, when I'm like you know, like 12, it's like, oh my God, that's amazing. That's, that's, that's brilliant tactics, you know, worthy of, of, <laughs> of, of, of you know, tacticus. But um, it, it, I mean, the reality, it's like, it, it, it's kind of a mildly cheap way of, of reducing that resource as fast as possible. Uh, but there is an interesting uh, payoff because he, uh, hits titanium, or sorry, uh, crimson dynamo. Slaps him with the uh, repulsor or the uh, the, the um, pack, the negator pack that fuses the armor. And dynamo's like, you know, I die, but I die proudly for giving my life to Russia. And Iron Man's like, you're not gonna die. Just calm down. Shh, shh, it's okay. Here's her, here's her repulsor back. Just... Uh, but then titanium man uh, attacks, and he goes, wait a minute. Where's Iron Man? And then the final repulsor bolt at the end of the page blasts out. And we find out that Tony had actually put in a secret system, which he'd been mentioning throughout, is a chameleon circuit that allows him to actually change the color of his suit. And now he's white. Do you know who's jealous right now? Who's jealous right now? A 2,000-year-old Time Lord that flies around in a a police box. (laughs) Uh, Well, I mean... There was a white TARDIS in the audio dramas, but <laughs> uh, in case that that joke is too deep for people, all TARDISes have a chameleon circuit, so they would match their background. Right, the Doctor's is broken. Right, and he tries to fix it twice, and both times it goes badly. And now he just says, "Oh, I like it that way." And it's like, "No, you just can't <laughs> fix it, buddy." Accept it. But I, I wanted to make that joke, but I also want to use that as a, a breaking point to discuss the combat tactics of both of them, given that Crimson Dynamo took like a massive laser hit, mm-hmm. but the ease in which Tony dispatched the Dynamo compared to Titanium Man. Yes. Part of me wants to say that's reflective on the fact that Titanium Man built and pretty much lives in that armor. And it's almost like their second skin mm-hmm. compared to Dynamo, who it is a suit that they put on to go to work. Right. Um, so basically the Titanium Man fight takes, uh, eight pages. The Crimson Dynamo fight is a page and a half break in the middle of that fight. So you're absolutely right. Dynamo is kind of a road bump on this. Um, Titanium Man is definitely the much scarier villain here. And I think you're right. They, they do a good job of establishing. We spend time seeing Gremlin. We You mentioned, like you said, that how he almost defeated the Hulk. 
but also we, we learned through this issue that Gremlin's very proud of his intellect. And so when Tony outsmarts him with the color change, that actually upsets him more than anything else so far. Uh, because he starts screaming at him. He's like, do you think it'd be easy to dismiss as that sycophant dynamo? Uh, and he, at that point in time, uh, the titanium, titanium man becomes much more aggressive. He's now, he wants blood. Uh, and he uses uh, I-beams to uh, melt the snow where he throws Tony into to try to find him. Um, he hits him with I-beams that knock Tony into a mountain uh, where he picks up um, a boulder. He also has a status a stasis beam, uh, which was used uh, in a previous Iron Man issue like almost 100 issues ago. So Tony just forgot about this really old thing that the tiny tiny man can do. Uh, but I mean, it, it, it goes it, back to tactics, right? It, it, it Tony to sit down and play off your dynamo observation. Tony keeps rebuilding his suit, so he never really settles into one suit. Titanium Man has been in the suit for a long time, he knows exactly what it can do, he knows exactly what his tolerances are, and he has a wide variety of weapons. So, yes, he's using a stasis beam again, but Tony didn't plan for the stasis beam. He figured that, of course, he'll have rebuilt his suit by now because that's what I would do. And say, no, he just knows exactly what his suit can do. And at one point in time, he just bear hugs Tony because it's like, I just knows that he realizes through the fight, hey, your armor is not as strong as mine, so I could just crush you. Uh, so they're flying through the air, both uh, using rocket packs. Uh, and Tony's trying to fight to get out of the grip. And neither of them noticed that. Iron Man's rocket boots are actually overlapping uh, the boots of Titanium Man. And, uh, tit and eventually the temperature gets so high to where Titanium ignites. Now, I did not look up if Titanium actually ignites at high temperature. But I did not look it up either. I'm just going to assume that it does not, but I love it as a comic conceit. That was my, my thought too. It's like, it sounds like comic science, but... It's also a really cool moment, right? If like they're both so obsessed. Titanium Man does not get defeated because Tony's smarter. Titanium Man got defeated because Tony wasn't paying attention. And he had annoyed Gremlin enough to where Gremlin also stopped paying attention. Uh, so uh, he tries to put uh, Titanium Man out by, by shoving him in the water because it says Titanium can't be put out unless the burning is consumed coldly. And in my head, I'm like, I think that's magnesium, actually. But again, maybe there's maybe titanium does too. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not a titanium scientist like Gremlin. <laughs> uh, but the the KGB conveniently show up and start declaring Iron Man a murderer. Uh, we don't see what happens to Titanium Man, but they start shooting him, and bullets bounce off. But Tony realizes he can't stick around, so he just flies off. Conveniently, you know, these guys are probably sitting in that spy 18 wheeler where the Crimson Dynamo was just waiting for their chance to come and swoop in and take probably take the Titanium Man's armor. But thinking about that 18 wheeler, do you remember what Tony and Rhodey were spying in in the U.S.? Uh, it, was, it was a van, wasn't it? I thought it was an 18 wheeler for some reason. Oh, I maybe. Felt, 
Now I'm going to have to go back and look. I can't make my joke because I'm not certain. Damn it. All right. I appreciate your efforts there. I appreciate your instincts. Um, but uh, again, like if Grandma had been paying attention, he should have realized, wait a minute. Why are the KGB suddenly here? I'm in the middle of nowhere, Siberia. They know where my base is. So if he's alive, if you've been paying attention to the comic, you can see, okay, even if he's alive, he's not going to let them know that he's alive. Because there's no reason why he would reveal himself to them. It also helps him if Tony's considered a murderer too, though. Right, right. If Iron Man is. So it it benefits Gremlins and everyone believe he's dead. It benefits the PHUB for everyone to think Titanium Man is dead. Uh, And uh, there's a couple of panels where we see um, Edwin Cord, which is one of the many uh, business owners that Tony's rivals with, uh, talking about something called Project Firepower, (laughs) which will also defeat, you know, something about defeating Iron Man. So all of that kind of falls into play. And then the last page is Tony going back and Hawkeye, to his credit, correctly saying, the State Department's considered you a traitor. Uh, and the, 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 gov- and the Russians want you extradited to face murder charges. You can't really be an Avenger anymore. Uh, and to, to, their credit, it's, you know, like, they do talk about it. They send Tony outside, and they have a discussion. Uh, and they even took a vote. But at the end of the day, Hawkeye's like, you're a friend, but you're a criminal. You're wanted by the U.S. government. You, you got to hand over your, your, your Avengers thing. Uh, so Tony has now lost. He, he, he's, he's no longer an Avenger. Iron Man's been fired. Uh, the, he's been banned by the U.S. He's wanted by the Russians. He's pretty much at, a, at one of the lowest points he could possibly be, and that's where we end the issue. And but think about that from Iron Man's perspective. Iron Man is an OG Avenger, like one of the yeah. original founding members. To then like lose that on top of all the other things, and you even get like the points of reference he talks about, like the, even the new company is almost gone. Mm-hmm. Like that is huge. Yeah, and again, one of the things that if you – some context that is not necessary for the issue but is nice to have you reading the other issues is Tony being one of the OG Avengers is a big point. Hawkeye really courted Tony to join West Coast Avengers because Hawkeye felt like he needed one of the original Avengers on there to give him validity. So it's been a lot of time asking Tony to join. So for Hawkeye to then have to do this – it's an, it's an additional level of frustration for, for Clint to have to ask that. Funnily enough, though, the uh, the Iron Man that he got was Rhodey in Iron Man armor. Right. At the time, he didn't know. <laughs> which which led to fun shenanigans like at the cookout where Rhodey, the biggest challenge was for Rhodey is, how do I eat this hot dog without them knowing that I'm not Tony? <laughs> yes. And also try to figure out who knows Iron Man's actual identity and who doesn't. <laughs> Yeah, no, that was that was some good stuff. You, you realize? I think I'm really I'm really getting the idea that we need to do a West Coast Avengers one of these. I'm just saying, maybe, maybe there's there's some really fun stuff in that run. I, again, I, that was that was one where this is a run that I remember reading growing up. So I have a very fond memories of this run, West Coast Avengers. I had no knowledge of. I've only read it like last year, 
So it's very new to me. So it might be fun, yeah, to, to kind of dig into that because as I read this now again, there's larger Marvel context that just heightens or emphasizes it. Because again, one of the things I love about this, this era of comic book writing is the writers are aware of each other's work enough that they can make nods and references and crossovers. And they're not big, huge spanning events that are planned by marketing every year, but rather it's just, oh, well, hey, I'm writing Captain America and we know Tony and Cap have relationship. Let's do, a, let's do five issues of crossover real quick and just trade that ball back and forth a little bit. I really like that, but but I like that because it leads to where we were, well, when I read comics, is that you could then just have other heroes guest starring in each other's comic books, yep. mm-hmm. which was a big deal back in the day where they didn't do that. It became massive multi-tiered events that we would charge big bucks for until it just became almost commonplace. Right, right. Which it- should, be, should be given how many superheroes you have spilling out of buildings in New York that you bump into each other all the freaking time. Yeah, and um, like you said, back when we talk and when we talk about the Captain America issue, is it, when you do it this way, it feels more organic. It doesn't feel like there needed to be an Iron Man Captain America crossover. It was more like, oh, the story's going this direction. I'll I'll call up, you know. Well, in this case, um, Mark Greenwald was the editor, so he would have already known. And Mark Greenwald could go, hey, okay, hey, I, I see where your story's going. Let me go ahead and actually throw in a couple of Captain America issues for you, and, and we can kind of talk about how to get these to work together. Um, that feels more natural than, you know, it's, I, I don't even remember what the current crossover is in Marvel right now. Um, but this kind of, okay, these are the five teams that are, have movies right now. So we need to kind of jam them together and, and make them talk to each other. So no, this is, this is, this bronze era, bronze age stuff is, 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 is my jam. I, I love this stuff. Did you have any final thoughts about this issue before I wrap up? Uh, just that, I joined this podcast for Cap and what's going to happen next issue. Like, that is the reason I wanted to be here, to live in, like, the most 90-esque moments we could 90. Yes, because next next time we're going to talk about the rest of the crossover, which is Captain America issue 341, where Cap decides... Oh, I'm sorry. I spoke too soon. Oh? I'm, I'm waiting for firepower. Oh, no, no, yes. Yes, two thirty is is definitely after that. But um, then, yes, that that becomes the the Iron Man equivalent of too many pouches. And we will talk about firepower then. But before then, we are going to talk about uh, Captain America issue three forty one, where Cap decides he's going to bring Tony in because now he is a traitor to the United States. So, if people want to talk to you about Wonder Man online, Chris, where would they find you? You could find me at darker underscore Hugh on Twitter, where I am tweeting about the excellent Wonder Man, or you can join me in the Dark Hugh Discords, where I'm talking about the Fallout game I'm desperately prepping for that I don't need to prep because I have enough Fallout in my head. I could talk like an eight-hour speech about it. I That's another podcast you probably do at some point. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Pugsteady. It's P-U-G-S-T-A-D-Y. My website is Pugsteady.com. Uh, or otherwise, yes, I'm also usually hanging out in uh, the Darker Hue Discord. Uh, right now, I'm getting ready to watch uh, Enola Holmes 2 and have thoughts about uh, Cavill's performance as Sherlock Holmes, I'm sure. so. Do uh, we, oh, oh, you said Cavill. Uh, do you want to take yes. a minute to talk about The Witcher? Sure, why not? <laughs> we got a few minutes. <laughs> uh, so, have you played The Witcher games? I have played one 
part of two and part of three. So I, I, I enjoy the Witcher games. Like the number three was, I think amazing. And I mm-hmm. liked Cavill as the Witcher. Mm-hmm. So if they're losing Cavill, I will probably not continue to watch the Witcher. I think it's, that's a lot of people are saying that honestly. Um, and it's, it's an interesting moments where an actor becomes so identified with the role that they, it's, 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 it's interesting to kind of just see people's reaction to that. Um, and rumors are the reason why Campbell's separate away is because he tried to get them to be more accurate to the books and they just wouldn't do it, which is so. intriguing. I care less about the accuracy to the books other than like the representation of the character. Like if they made it a, a new Witcher, I would probably then still watch it. Right. Um, but it's, it, it, again, it's, it's interesting. To, I mean, to talk about our overall podcast, it is also interesting what lines people have for whether something is quote unquote good or not. I mean, we try to be very open about our opinions here and we try to, when we think something, try to be very clear oftentimes coming from a personal place rather than an objective place. Uh, but I mean, we love this run of comics and we love the, these, 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 these particular issues. doesn't mean we necessarily love everything about these characters, but I can't imagine anybody else playing Iron Man anymore. You know, like, like I, I can't imagine another actor playing Tony Stark after, after the past 10 years. Not at least not for another good chunk of time, right? It was like a long time. I'm also the opinion, though, that comics and characters should eventually fade away to be replaced by new ones. Agreed. In in general, and if you can't do that, if you don't try, and it's going to be hard to do that because you'll potentially lose fans, but you'll gain new fans. But you need to let characters rest and then have new people come in, even if you take. The DC Comics approach where they have legacy, where the character is legacy, but the person inhabiting it changes, Mm -hmm. which you also have someone come and be Iron Man, but they wouldn't be Tony Stark. They would be Iron Man with like a different skill set, kind of how there's multiple Ant-Men or spider Spider Spider-Man or Spider-Women. Right. Um, One thing I've been uh, reading recently with my DC Infinite subscription I was going through uh, Teen Titans because this is a really good example of Teen Titans slash Young Justice slash Titans slash all the different names this rough group of people have had. Uh, but you see them growing up and evolving and also different people taking a mantle and whatnot. So it's, it's cool. It's cool to see that legacy. Uh, but we will talk about Iron Man and Captain America more next time.